Father, there is no truth that is more earth-shattering than the reality that we are yours and you are ours. You are our God. And our, our identity, therefore, is sons and daughters of the king of the universe. And Father, it's out of that that we long to have our, our identity defined and our lives lived. Heavenly Father, we, we pause on this particular weekend and we say thank you, God, for the liberties that we have as a people. And at the same time, God, we are keenly aware that many of our brothers and sisters in the faith around the globe do not have those same liberties. And so, Father, this morning we think of them, we pray for them. And God, I pray that as, as your kingdom, your kingdom spreads through your kingdom agents, your people, God, that, that liberty would be experienced by all of your image bearers in this good world of yours. Father, this morning as we open the pages of Scripture, more importantly than anything else, God, I pray that we would have an encounter with you, that we would experience you, and that you would do radical change in our lives from the inside out, our hearts and our minds. And God, we, we're so grateful for the community that you've given us. We love you. Thank you that you loved us first, though, and it's in the matchless and the powerful name of King Jesus that we ask all of this. Amen and amen. It is so good to see you guys. Hey, before you take a seat, say hello to someone you did not come here with today and ask them where they're watching fireworks tomorrow. Well, good morning again. Um, happy Fourth of July weekend. It's a um, if if you do no other thing, would you do not leave this building without wishing Pastor Jeff Lucas a happy Independence Day? Am I right? Am I right? <clears throat> you know, I'm um, I'm very aware that that though we fought a war not to listen to British people, I just, I, I beg you to spend that for like thirty minutes this morning. Listen, listen to Pastor Jeff and his message. Uh, no, really, happy 4th of July. I hope you guys have a, have a great weekend. If you're visiting us for the first time, we're thrilled that you're with us. If you're watching online, we see you there. I'm glad that you're joining us as well. If you want to find out kind of all things going on in the Timberline world, of course, the website, timberlinechurch.org, or you can use your phone and scan that QR code in the little uh, seat back pocket in front of you. I um, want to invite you to something. Uh, July 22nd, Friday evening, 6 p.m., we, we're doing our annual outdoor uh, uh, water baptisms out at Water Valley. If you have made the decision to follow Jesus, but maybe you've never done a public profession of faith through water baptism, I would invite you to register for that. There's a class the Sunday before, two weeks from this morning, um, that would love for you to be at. You can register there. You can register online. But it's just, and if you're not getting baptized, show up. You guys come and support our Timberline family, people who are making this step. Um, I want to let you know something that happened a couple weeks ago in this very room where you're sitting right now. We had like 450 kids as a part of VBS. These are kids in our community, not even necessarily Timberliners. 450 kids sitting here, um, they raised $6,000 to support a, a church effort that we have in Chile. 
cherished Uganda. And maybe the coolest thing of all, a number of these little kids, for the very first time in their life, gave their hearts to Jesus. Awesome. Huge celebration. So, in fact, I want you to take a look at kind of a little video recap of that week. How about a round of applause for our VBS team, huh? And wasn't it just precious seeing those lovely children beating up one of their leaders? Wasn't that just, just a beautiful thing? Well, hi, everybody. Security! Happy 4th. Hey, seriously, happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, thank God, as Pastor Brent was just praying and saying that we live in a country, a beautiful country, where freedom is ours to worship today. And uh, I often joke about hiding on the 4th of July. The truth is that I never feel like that. Americans are irrationally kind to British people. People say, you know, you haven't lost your accent. No, I go back to get it surgically refurbished so that the kindness will continue, and thank you for that. If you're joining us online, it's great to welcome you as well. And this weekend, we're continuing this series, God's Nature, Tracing His Fingerprints. We're not just looking at creation. We are looking at what we can discover about God as creator as we do that. And this weekend, the theme is water. Water, God's the giver of life. Water. How do you say water? Water. 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 Everyone, everyone say this, water. There's healing in the house. That's, 
Right. What is so important in God's Word is mentioned 722 times in the Bible. More than faith, more than hope, more than prayer, more than worship, water is a consistent theme as we're going to see. We're going to look at two episodes from John's Gospel, and we're going to focus on one of them. The first, John 4, he, Jesus, came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, <clears throat> sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then the second episode, it happened approximately 20 months after this um, encounter at the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, uh, it's a Sukkot. It's a, an annual festival that the Jews would celebrate, and they would <clears throat> they would camp out in tents for seven days to remember the wilderness wanderings of their ancestors. And here is what happened on the last day, the climax of the festival. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, "Anyone who is thirsty may come to me." Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. Now, this being the 4th of July weekend, I thought it would be... Uh, uh, nice to begin this message by sharing with you a couple of things that I so love about living in Colorado and in the USA. Um, I love the mountains and the sunsets. What a beautiful place we live in. Uh, call me superficial, but I like drive-through fast food. I like it. I never get what I order. They never understand me but I like it. And I like the can-do attitude of the American people. I'm glad you got rid of us. It's a good thing. Uh, you would have never put a man on the moon if you'd stayed with us. You know, you'd have said, let's do this Apollo thing. And we'd have said, don't be silly. Let's have another cup of tea, you know, relax. I love those things. Um, and there are a few things that I'm not quite so keen about, if it's all right to say that, and if it isn't, I'm going to say it, right? Um, like roundabouts. It's not, it's not the roundabout, it's you people. 
what is it about Americans? And we have lots of roundabouts in the UK, but I, I go to Sentara and I, I fear for my life. My prayer life improves. Just yield to the left. And then there's food names. I love, I love the variety of food we enjoy here. I love Mexican food, but I had to learn how to pronounce it. And I went out and I ordered enchiladas. <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to have a, a cheese enchilada. I'm one of those tacos. And uh, my wife would like a burrito, please. And uh, the guy's looking at me like really weird. And then there's the altitude, the altitude. Um, I've got an exercise routine that involves stretching for pizza slices, right? Pizza. And just stretching for a slice of pizza is like a workout at 4,800 feet. Like, whew. No pain, no gain. Just running up the stairs is like a workout. And there's dehydration, thirst. If we think we've got hydration challenges here, consider Israel. Whenever we take our trips to Israel, our guides say every day, drink, 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 drink. If you're an Israeli soldier in the wilderness, they command you to drink a pint of water every hour because the dehydration issues are so intense. This festival, described in John chapter 17, the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, a lot of it was about water. It was a feast that looked to the past, to Exodus 17, where God provided water in the wilderness from the rock. They celebrated their history. The feast was about the present. It was a time, September, October in Israel, where it was drought time. The fields were parched. The cisterns were low and dry. And so it was a time to pray for rain. And the Jews believed that if rain fell during the Feast of Tabernacles, that was a sign of blessing. So they're looking back, they're looking up, if you will, and then they're looking to the future as well, to Ezekiel's prophecy that Jerusalem in general and the temple in particular would be a source of refreshing to the whole earth. And I want us to imagine the scene. Four 75-feet-high menorahs stood in the temple courts, and worshippers would dance and sing long into the night, holding bright torches, glorifying, singing praise to God. And the climax of this, each of the seven days, the high priest would go to the pool of Siloam. He would take a golden pitcher and fill it with water and add to the water some ceremonial wine. They would blow the trumpets three times. He would go back to the temple, march around the altar, and then the choir would sing the Hallel, Psalm 113 through 118, which ends with the words, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And the whole crowd, thousands of people, would say over and over, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And then the priest would pour out the water mixed with wine. And scholars believe that this was the moment 
when Jesus interrupted everything. He shouted. The word, the Greek word, krasian, it's the same word used to describe blind Bartimaeus' calling out to Jesus that's described in Mark chapter 10. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty? Anyone who is thirsty? Come to me. Anyone who believes in me, come and drink. This was the climax of a number of water episodes in John's gospel. Water turned into wine, chapter 2. Water of the new birth, chapter 3. Living water, chapter 4. Cleansing water of Bethesda, chapter 5. Calming of the waters, chapter 6. And now, in these and this episode, here's what Jesus is saying. He is saying he is the source of life. It would have been like a verbal stun grenade. Because everyone is asking God for water, and Jesus stands and shouts, and he's saying, I'm here. Come to me. Later, the guards who were told to arrest him said, we've never heard anyone speak like this. So what does all of this tell us about God's nature? Well, first of all, God has created us with the gift of thirst. God has created us with the gift of thirst. Anyone who is thirsty, Jesus says. God has wired us for thirst. Think about it. Thirst is a good thing. It's a signal. You need to drink some water. It's an indicator. And the truth is that God has wired every human being with a thirst for God. And the psalmist picks up that theme in Psalm 42. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. You see, as we look at oceans and lakes, as we look at water, and our friend Don Reichart, who's a brilliant photographer, shared these images with us, the water speaks to us of the fact that God has created us with a thirst for him, but so often we try to quench our thirst with the wrong things. What is addiction about? Addiction's about thirst, the thirst to escape, to have that feeling. Many marriages break down because of a thirst for somebody else, something more exciting, somebody new. What is war about? It's about a thirst for some other nation's resources. What is pornography about? It's an attempt to quench the unquenchable thirst of lust. We've been wired for thirst. And often we can look for the wrong places or to the wrong places. The prophet Jeremiah said this, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Are we sipping at the wrong 
wells. And sometimes we can be led by the culture and simply believe that, well, everyone's doing that, so they must be right. Last weekend, we looked at the birds as part of this series. Uh, how, many of you, how many of us were here last weekend? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of us are here this weekend? Raise your hand. That's good. And I talked about two sparrows. Two sparrows. And I put a photograph up um, of two sparrows. I did a Google search, two sparrows, and this is what came up. And I said, aren't they beautiful? And, and you smiled and nodded. And, and after the service, somebody said to me, oh, we, we spotted the deliberate mistake, Pastor Jeff. And I said, oh, which one was that? And they said, the sparrows weren't sparrows. And I said, oh, well done for spotting the deliberate. It, it wasn't a deliberate mistake. It was my mistake. And um, but the thing is this, I put two sparrows in Google. Google gave me that, and I believed Google. <laughs> I, I'm going to sue, I tell you. <laughs> but we can do that. We just believe it because it states it. Now, for those of you that went home last weekend, traumatized, <laughs> deeply impacted by the wrong photograph, you've been weeping all week. You're so offended. Here is the proper picture of a sparrow. So in the words of Frozen, let it go. Let's not look in the wrong place to quench our thirst. It was St. Augustine who said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Holy Spirit, show us, are we looking in the wrong places? Secondly, God is exclusive. Jesus declares that he alone is the source of living water. That's not spelt correctly, is it? Jesus declares. See you later, boys. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Notice, Jesus doesn't say come to religion. He says come to me. And notice he doesn't say I'm one way you can choose. You know, there's this idea in our pluralistic culture, all roads lead to God. Not true according to Jesus. In fact, it's not logical, is it? The idea that all roads lead to the same place. I've often shared here at Timberline, I am frequently lost. I can get lost in a parking lot. It's ridiculous. And sometimes when I'm lost, I am one of those humble men who is willing to stop and ask for directions. I don't have to continue to be lost, but I pull over, I ask for directions, and the person starts to tell me, and it starts off okay, but I get really bored with listening. And they're like, turn left, second right, third left at the end of the, and then at the next light, turn left, the second right. And I'm like, oh, please stop. And then they say, let me tell you that again. And I am losing the will to live. <laughs> but imagine if I stopped and I, can you, excuse me, can you tell me the way to Old Town? 
and you say to me, yeah, turn left out of Timberline or right, and then go three blocks down, or maybe 27, and then turn right or left, and then go north, south, west, or east, and go a mile, or maybe 500, it doesn't really matter, because all roads ultimately lead to Old Town, and I'd be saying, cuckoo. Jesus says, I'm it. And he calls us to believe in him. Now, what's belief? Belief is not just intellectually agreeing with the idea of God. According to John's gospel, and the whole gospel of John is about belief, these things are written that you might believe in the Christ and have life in his name, John says. Belief is not just about a vague idea about God. Well, I believe in God. Yeah, but... It's about putting our trust in him, centering our lives around him. When you came in here today, those in this auditorium, you found your chair, the one you usually sit in, the one that Jesus gave you. And when you sat on that chair, you believed that it could support your weight. You put your trust in it. Jesus is calling us not just to have an intellectual theory about him, but to a living belief. And he says, I'm it. He is exclusive. But then thirdly, God is inclusive. This is for everyone. He's inclusive. Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who believes in me. Remember that Samaritan woman in John chapter 4? The Jews hated the Samaritans, and the feeling was mutual. They, the Jews believed the Samaritans were outside of the purposes of God completely. But Jesus goes with the living water to the Samaritan woman before, 20 months later, he goes to tabernacles to the Jewish people. He goes to the outsider. Maybe, sir, you're thinking... I could never be a follower of Jesus. I've done too much. I've messed up too badly. I've hurt too many people. You feel like an outsider. And this is for everyone, anyone who believes in me. Why can that be? Because of what Jesus has done for all of us. Come with me again to the Feast of Tabernacles. Look at something here. They sing the Hallel... And then water mixed with wine is poured out. Now, consider the Last Supper and the cross. Matthew tells us the last thing they did before Jesus went out to die for us is they sang a hymn. We know what they sang. It was the Passover hymn. It was the Hallel. Psalm 113 through 118 he goes to trial, he is condemned, he goes to the cross, and then we read in John 19, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flow out. Hallel, outpouring, hallel, outpouring. You see, Jesus has done everything for anyone and everyone to come. 
Perhaps you came today with family and friends, 4th of July, go to church. You anticipated a barbecue later, not a life-altering encounter with Jesus. Fourthly, God's strategy is to enable us to live lives as joyful, refreshing people. To live lives as joyful, refreshing people. Jesus said, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. There's an outflow to others. Now, come with me because we're going to just sweep through the Bible in about 90 seconds. Right at the beginning of everything, in Genesis chapter 2, a river flowed from the Garden of Eden to refresh the earth. A river. Adam and Eve fell in that story. Many years later, Ezekiel the prophet, chapter 47, he looks forward to a time when a river, a stream, will flow from the temple in Jerusalem. Garden of Eden, river flow. Now, Ezekiel says, the river's going to flow from the temple. But then, Jesus comes in the time of the temple. And look at this, Mark 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Jesus said, I am calling time on that temple. And 36 years after he prophesied it, the temple was ransacked and destroyed in A.D. 70. So where's the river going to flow from? During the ministry of Jesus, Ezekiel's prophecy was partially fulfilled. John 4, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. John 7, Jesus says now, there's going to be an outflow when the Spirit comes. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And then in the epistles we read this, the old temple is gone now. And we read, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is radical. And Paul echoes the idea, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become, what? A holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, when you look over scripture, you see the temple is done with now. Now there's a new temple. The church, the people of God, who are called to be the source of blessing living water for the earth. My friend Doug Clark sent me a blog this week written by Dr. James Emery White, who's the founding pastor of a church in North Carolina. He started the church in his family room. It's now around 10,000 members. And uh, he's been a, a, a theological seminary president, written a lot of books. 
And uh, Dr. White described a conversation between two history makers, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. John Adams, first vice president under George Washington, the nation's second president, wrote to Thomas Jefferson, who drafted the Declaration of Independence, served as the country's third president. And Adams wrote to uh, Jefferson and said, my friend, you and I have lived in serious times. They realized that they were caught up in something big, something that is being celebrated today. They were living for a great cause of freedom. They both died on the same day. This impressed Dr. White. As an 18-year-old, he came to Colorado. And Dr. White went to a city in Colorado. You might know it. It's called Fort Collins. He came here, and he went, wandered around CSU and decided to go and watch a movie. And he went to see the second movie in the Star Wars series, The Empire Strikes Back produced by my Uncle George. <laughs> I wish. And Dr. White, as an 18-year-old, he came out of the theater and he said, that's what I want for my life, to be caught up in the sweep, the sweep of history, in the intergalactic struggle between good and evil. And, and then he felt disappointed because Star Wars is just a story. And then he said it hit him like a bolt of lightning. That's exactly what we do as followers of Christ. We are living for the greatest cause of freedom in the cosmos. And as a result of that turning point here in Fort Collins, he has offered his life to serve Christ. Young people, don't fritter your life away with trivia pursuit. Live for the biggest thing that there's ever been. Too often we can begin like that and then settle into something less. White says this, too quickly... And often without struggle, we trade making history with making money, substitute building a life with building a career, and sacrifice living for God for living for the weekend. We forego significance for the sake of success and pursue the superficiality of title and degree, house and car, rank and portfolio over a life lived large. We become saved but not seized, delivered but not driven, but it doesn't have to be this way. You know, and we can refresh our neighborhoods. Just speaking with someone in the first service was going back because they're having a neighborhood party, party to celebrate the 4th of July weekend. They're going to bless their neighbor. How, how might we do that? How might we bless our workplaces? How might we be a joyful people? Because this festival, look at this, the festival will be a happy time of celebrating. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. The world is never going to be won by the frozen chosen. I've been to some churches, and I'm not sure whether I should say this, but I think I will. And it's like there's this collective determination to look corporately constipated. And if that offends you, I, I'm sorry, I, Pastor Brent Cunningham, apologize for that. 
We're meant to be a joyful people. What is it? What has happened to us where we think that reverence is about looking miserable? A friend of mine says, when we enter a cathedral, we should laugh out loud. Are we refreshing to our friends and neighbors? Well, I've got two minutes left and two points, so here we go. Number five, God gives us his spirit to empower and enable us. When Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. And that happened on the day of Pentecost. The spirit was given. I'm not crazy about the term Holy Ghost. It's not the best translation. And let's face it, it sounds spooky, isn't it? Who wants a ghost around? And some Christians who talk about being filled with the Spirit, they're spooky too. They even have a voice. You know that voice? Yes, I was praying the other day and I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Ooh. This is the Holy Spirit. There's nothing weird. The normal Christian life is not about trying harder. It's about being us being filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit empowered by him and we can argue a lot about what that means but why don't we simply more often say Lord fill me fill me today fill me with your Holy Spirit empower me this is work the work of his spirit well the last thing is this and that is that God is the everlasting one and offers us eternal life in him because you see the waters show up again in Revelation then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Here's the thing, everybody. If you know and love Jesus, you're going to live forever with him. <laughs> That's very exciting, isn't it? Let me try that one more time. <laughs> if you know and love Jesus, you are going to live forever with him. Thank you for that spontaneous response. <laughs> and do you, you know what just happened? We can get so familiar with the good news, it doesn't become that good anymore. When the world is in disarray and chaos, we remember that this is not just it. And Jesus points us to the eternity where the invitation is, come and drink. Before we pray, I invite us to consider where we're at with our believing. Does that really mean something on Monday as well as Sunday? And I want to seriously address younger people here again for a moment. I want to say to you, I want to invite you to give your all to this greatest freedom fight that there's ever been. And I want to say this to you. 
In the world in which we're living, I don't know, it may cost you your life. Who knows what culture will look like 50 years from now? And it might be, sobering stuff this, it might be that you'll look back to a 4th of July weekend back in 2022 and remember that that was the day when you said, I'm all in. Whatever it costs me, I will join the galactic fight that is more important than anything else. I will not settle for survival. I will live, and if need be, I will die because Christ is. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for living water. Thank you for the thirst that we have. Show us, first of all, where we are sipping at wells of dirty water that just clouds our souls, divides who we are. Show us what it is to really believe in you. Put our trust in you. And where belief has become a vague habit and we've settled down into something less, <coughs> stir our hearts again. As our heads are bowed, in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer that you can use if you want to become a follower of Jesus today. It's a prayer that you can use if, young or old, you want to say, I'm all in, whatever the cost. So here's the prayer. Jesus, I want to live in you, for you. I want life to flow from me you as my source, that life to flow to others. I want to change my world. I choose today to live that life. For those coming for the first time to Jesus, you might say, forgive me, Lord, for my sin. I ask for your grace forgiveness I turn to you let's just keep our heads bowed and if you've just prayed that prayer or a version of that prayer I want you to mark this for you nobody else is looking around but I am I want you to mark this moment solidify it and do that please if you've just prayed that prayer or something like it, would you just hold up your hand for a moment and then put it down? Do that now, please. Thank you for that, and thank you. Thank you. Wave at me so I can see you, because there are people around the building doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, empower 
each person who is responding today. Thank you that you will do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. In a moment, we're going to sing, but just a word about our offerings. When we saw the delightful video of blessed young people beating up their leaders, VBS can happen because we want to bless our community as Timberline Church. And when we give, we enable that blessing. So thank you for those who consistently are doing that. And if you're not, please consider that as part of our worship to this amazing Jesus. Thanks for hearing that. If you're able, would you stand with me and let's sing to the Lord again. a step in your faith, maybe a first one, maybe it's one that's far down the road, we would love to pray with you. Our prayer team is going to be up front here. Let us know. We would love to put a New Believer packet in your hand if you've made that decision for the very first time. Hey, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Do not leave this building without giving Pastor Jeff a big sloppy American hug. Amen? <laughs> All right. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend. <laughs>